This is the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you hit that like, subscribe, and notify button so you can be aware whenever a new episode is available. Also, leave a comment and a review. We would really appreciate that. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. I'd like to take this time to thank our sponsor, RX Smart Gear. Dave and his team have developed the perfect jump rope to counter common performance miscues, which in turn enhance the learning experience. They have an ergonomic grip and a swivel connection for better accuracy, and the resistance levels have helped with better timing. And the custom sizes promote proper form and technique. It's built durable to stand up to the rigors of intense workouts, and it was in fact prescribed to help you get better. That's how the RX Smart Gear Jump Rope was born. Dave Newman and his team have been a great partner for us in the podcast, and we appreciate him so much for all of his support. So don't forget to use the Clydesdale 15 discount code at checkout and get 15% off your order at rxmarkgear.com. And don't forget that that excludes new releases and special editions. We are so excited to now have Mobility Movement as a partner. Their holistic approach to recovery is second to none. This is not just a program that helps with your flexibility and mobility. It also assists with stress release and sleep, two key factors in overall recovery. The website gives you a plan for, for each week, saves your favorites, gives you sleep protocols. The extensive library available to you is both vast and diverse. And we have a new offer with our friends at Mobility Movement that will give you a free month after your seven-day trial. All you need to do is use the discount code Clydesdale Free Month, all caps, at checkout at mobilitymovement.com. That's mobilitymvmnt.com. I've been using this since the first of the year, and I am sleeping better than I have in so many years. And with all the back issues I've had over the last five years, this has given me so much relief and I'm able to work out four to five times a week without any pain at all. So go to mobilitymovement.com. That's mobilitymvmnt.com and use Clydesdale. So we are live with Jake Marconi here on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Welcome, Jake. Hey, everyone. Thank you for having me, Scott. Um, Jake is... You just recently moved to Vermont. I did. Yeah, I'm in my new apartment. It's not. I'm looking at a pile of boxes on the other side of this camera, so it's not entirely set up yet. So you've always been like a northeastern boy. Yeah, so it's not too big of a move. Uh, no. But have you always lived in Rhode Island before this? So I grew up in Connecticut, like the very top. Might as well have been Massachusetts. Pretty rural area, um, suburban rural. Uh, I grew up on a horse farm. Um. We didn't live on the farm, but that's what my mom uh, did. And my dad was a carpenter. And so we had like a pretty uh, little blue collar town. And then, yeah, I moved to Rhode Island for college and I was there for seven years. And this is the first place I've moved since. But once I left home, I didn't go back. I was in, in Rhode Island for the entirety of the time that I was in college. And then after and had a really nice little life there. And then I got a cool opportunity and I decided that I could stay in Rhode Island forever and it'd be pretty easy or I could move up here and, and get uncomfortable for a second. Yeah. With the beard and the hair, man, I think you'd be good, be a good character on Yellowstone. I actually, I really like that show. Yeah. I I'm a bad fan of it. Cause I, I might have started it, watched the first season and then jumped in with, with Matt and Sammy and watched the very last season. So I missed a lot in between, but, uh, I'm going to go back and watch it. I have no fear. Yeah. So my wife and I are, are binging it now. We are okay. just about done with season two. Yeah. So I've got my mom watching it from the very beginning. So she's keeping me posted. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Um, one of the things I definitely wanted to dive into you into with you was I read that you um, are a fan of the rom-com. Uh, I do like a rom-com. Where did you read that? I mean, I, I have my sources. That's good research. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll watch a rom-com for sure. So I am, I'm the king of the rom-com. Okay. So whenever I can find another manly man that likes a rom-com, I like to discuss that just briefly. So what is your top couple? Ooh, all right. Um, I really like, so I'm bad with the names of these movies because I, I just remember watching them. 
uh, in high school, my friends and I, we had a pretty tight knit little circle and we would watch every rom-com from the eighties all the way through to whatever was current because our friend's mom, she loved them. So the one where I love something about Mary. Okay. That's a great one. Uh, I really like, I think it is a good luck Chuck where after he sleeps <laughs> with the girl, she finds her, her husband with the next guy. Uh, I really like that one. And then I recently watched, I think it was a Netflix one called always be my maybe. Have you seen this one? I have. Yeah. I like that one. So good luck, Chuck. That is a deep dive. Yeah. Yeah. That's not like your, like the proposal or like love actually, that is a deep dive. Is that, is that Sandra Bullock or somebody else? Ooh, I couldn't tell you the actors in it to save my life. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, um, my underdog rom-com is blast from the past. Who's in that? So it's when Brendan Fraser is in a, in a store in a bomb shelter for his whole life. And then he gets lifted up to earth in like 1990, whatever. And he meets Alicia Silverstone and, but he has all the manners of like a kid born in the fifties. Cause that's all he knows. Oh, I sh I'll blast from the past. It's called blast from the past. I'll have to give that a watch. Yeah. It's, it's not on that like upper tier of things you see all the time. It's one that you have to kind of look for, but it's definitely on my top 10 list. Okay. I'll give that a watch. All right. So you grew up playing sports. I, I know you played football and that's how you found CrossFit. Did you do other things growing yeah. up? Yeah. So it's, I didn't really grow up playing sports. I played sports like every other kid. Um, like soccer and baseball until I was like eight or nine. And I went to my mom in the middle of the season and I was like, Hey, I, I don't like this. And she was like, all right, that's fine. You don't have to like it. I don't care one way or the other. You have to finish the season. You can't quit. Um, but once you finish the season, it's on you to decide whether or not you want to come back. And so I didn't cause I, I did not like being told what to do. And I didn't like, especially that my mom was my coach. I love that. In hindsight, I really appreciate that she coached my sports, right? That's pretty cool. Um, but at the same time, it was my mom telling me what to do. Uh, and so I, I walked away from that stuff. I walked away. I was eight. I decided not to play the next season. And then I got really into action sports. So I raced BMX. Um, I was like a skater, punk, BMX kid. Uh getting into trouble in middle school. And then, yeah, at the end of middle school, my gym teacher, so I had started working out and I had started by just doing like a ton of body weight and calisthenics with my dad. And I would walk in the door and he'd be like, all right, drop your bag. And he'd be like 20 pushups, wall sits. And he'd do it all with me. And my dad is like, you pluck him out of the 1960s. Like he came of age kind of then like my age, she was probably in the 1960s. Like, and he is just, he talks like this and he's like my size. Um, so that was fun. And he did all of that stuff with me. And then he gave me this crusty yellow sheet of paper one day that was, he was in the air guard and it was his, his weight training workout, but it was laminated, but it was so old that it was yellow, like yellow laminated crusty sheet of paper. And it was just like, it said on it Monday and what was it? It was Monday and Friday, do three sets of 20 on everything. And then on Wednesdays, do three sets of eight and go heavy. Same, it was a list of 15 exercises. There's a photo of it on my Instagram somewhere. And so I did that for months. And I was also an angry, like eighth or ninth grader. Uh, and so my eighth grade gym teacher was like, hey, Jake, you're far too angry and work out far too much to not do anything with it. Here's this uh, thing called lacrosse. And she actually bought me a lacrosse stick and then let me use the gym during lunch to go play wall ball and practice. And so I practiced for a couple months and then I joined, like we didn't have a team in our town. So I joined the town overs team. I fell in love with lacrosse, played lacrosse for two years, uh, but we didn't have a team in high school. So I joined football. 
And then, okay. yeah, I played football through high school. But it's- I never liked the sport as much as I liked training. Okay. So you mentioned your mom being your coach. We're going into Mother's Day weekend. Yes. What's your relationship like with your mom? Oh, we're really close. We're really, really good friends too. Um, And that happened pretty early on. Like kind of once I got into high school, my mom and I were no longer uh, 10th. Once I was in like 11th grade, so junior, senior year, and then forward, we had a uh, a relationship where we were very much like equals and adults with each other. And that's lasted ever since. And we talk like probably every other day on the phone and we're, we're really close. And she has facilitated everything that I've ever wanted to do. Like she made me work for a lot of things, but if I was pursuing something, she was all in on supporting me to pursue that thing and being really real with me. Like when things got tough, yeah, it sounds like my relationship with my mom. Um, I'm so lucky to still have her. I'm in my 50s, um, and she she kicks ass. She she lost over 100 pounds in her 60s. That is awesome. And uh, she's done like 55Ks since. Dude, that's super cool. Yeah, yeah. so I yeah. get to see her tonight. Um, so I'm excited to spend Mother's Day weekend with her. Yeah, I it's, I haven't seen my mom in a while. Normally, we'd see each other at least once a month. It's been like four or five months. Yeah. COVID has made like weird, weird things happen. And yeah. I just wonder when when and if all that will get back to normal. Yeah, hopefully soon. We This wasn't even COVID related. This was more just like I moved up here and my mom has been, so she just got eye surgery so she could see while she drives at night um but or just drives period she's been having a tough time driving uh and just because she can't see that well and so she just got eye surgery and it's going to be able to see so she'll be able to come up here which will be nice yeah 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 my parents right before my dad passed away they did a trip through new england um in an rv and it was i think probably the favorite thing they've done in their life that's awesome where are you from uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania, so okay. western side of Pennsylvania, um, just above Pittsburgh, and now I live in Columbus, Ohio. Okay, so you're in the vicinity. You're on the side yeah. of the, the country. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So so you play football, and I, and I want you to kind of go through the story, how football made you find CrossFit. Yeah, so like I said, I was really into training and was – competing in powerlifting and was researching training and I'd be on my phone in class and the teacher would come take it away and there'd be a picture of some like half naked jack dude and she'd be like what are you looking at and I was reading articles on T Nation or Elite FTS or whatever it was at the time and so when I was playing football I would just have all my buddies on the team come over to my house and I would train them out of my basement and not train them in the sense that I wasn't doing anything like we would all train together but I was very much leading the charge, writing the workout, um, setting our training schedule. And in a way, like I was going through this process of learning about training myself. And then at the same time, teaching whatever I just learned to the, to my buddies. It just got to the point where there was no room in my little basement for the team. And so I had heard a friend went to a CrossFit gym and I hated CrossFit at the time. I was like, higher up Olympic lifting. What is that? I had no business. I had no idea how to Olympic lift. Like, I just, it was what the people who I was reading articles were talking about, how CrossFit is silly. And so I was like, yeah, CrossFit is silly. Um, anyways, the gym opened up in our town and I emailed them asking if I could use their space to train the football team. And they were like, well, yeah, but who's going to oversee it? And I was like, oh, me. And they were like, yeah, how about no? And <laughs> what they did though, Dave Tripp, he like I owe my start uh, of getting into CrossFit to him. He his gym was relatively new, and he was like, "All right, you know what? Twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays at seven o'clock, we'll have a CrossFit football class just for your team. Like nobody else can join it, and it'll be twenty six dollars a month per wow. kid, which was just enough to cover coaching the class." 
Um, and so they ran this class twice a week and it was really strength and conditioning based. And we would do CrossFit style workouts to finish the class as a finisher. And it was 90 minutes. It was like a full hour and a half of training, which I was used to, but it was just, they really did a good job on this class. It was super organized. He was a military, is a military guy. And so there was really nobody better to lead this group of unruly uh, football players through this class. Um, and he was really stern with us and stern with us, not just for no reason, but he made sure that we were hitting positions properly, stretching properly. And so we would go in and we do this really organized warm up, and then we would get into to lifting and we kind of break out into groups. Uh, and it was really cool. It was like the first time I got introduced to clean and jerks and snatches. Um, and so we did some of that stuff, but we didn't do CrossFit per se through that time, but we went in one and nine. So our previous season before we were at this gym, we were one and nine. And then we went in, trained for a whole off season together. And our next season, we were 11, 11 and one. We had a couple more games that season, but we were 11 and one and like turned it around and had three really good years. And our team got super close. Um, and when I finished football, I, there was a group of people at the gym who were doing like competitors training and they asked me if I wanted to join them and I joined them trained. I did the whole eight week cycle leading up to the open. And then we did the open and that was 2015 was my first like actual go at the open. And I remember finishing and looking at my score and being like, all right, I think I can be competitive at this. And then just going all in. So that was right when you graduated from, or were you still in high school at that point? I was still in high school at that point. So football finished whenever that is November. Um, and then I kind of took a month of just my own training. And then they asked me to join them in January and I joined them and just, trained a ton yeah i was training like i in high school all of my time that wasn't at school was training so it, it made sense that eventually you become a coach but what did what did you go to college for uh entrepreneurship was my degree but business yeah okay and has that has that helped you in what you're doing today uh directly kind of but not particularly you know i mean i went to college i wasn't going to go to college i was going to go into a trade or not really or i was going to go into a trade uh, i was going to go be a carpenter and college wasn't like really an option but the girl i was dating in high school was our she was like third in our class was looking at all the ivies uh was very uh academic first and she was like no you have to go to college she was like i don't think everybody has to go but you should go and so she really pushed me to go and i ended up going to johnson wales in providence and loving it but school was not necessary it i never went in thinking that whatever i got a degree in was going to be like what i was going to do i always knew that i was going to continue trying to make a career out of fitness in some capacity but the other thing that I really found interesting to read about uh, or listen to podcasts about was business. And so I knew that I would go to school for business. My mom always ran her own businesses. Her dad was a really big entrepreneur in our area. So it was something that was just kind of always talked about. My mom has five sisters or she's one of five sisters. They all have their own business in some capacity. And so it was just kind of what I grew up around. And I knew that I, if I was going to go to school, that I was going to go for business and that I would get out and not directly go apply that degree, but that that was what I wanted to, to learn. So do you continue crossfitting through college or did your training modify? Oh no, I continued. Yeah. I, I would go to school or I would be on campus for whatever my classes were. And then I'd be at the gym. So I try to line my schedule up at our school. We had seven ten in the morning was the first class. And so I'd take a seven ten and 11 or a seven ten and nine twenty, 
And then I'd get to the gym. I would train. I'd go back to school from like 1.40 to 3, whenever that class ended. And then I would go back to the gym and train again. Wow. So were you coaching at all or was it just school and train? So I, so after the first two trimesters, so we had trimesters at Johnson and Wales, which was cool. It actually allowed me a lot of time for training. I would, I would coach one class a day. Wow. Yeah. So I, I coached, um, all the way through college. I think there was maybe the first, maybe the first six months I was at college, I didn't coach. And then from there on out, I coached the whole time. So at what point did in your training, did you say like, I can make a career out of this? So the first open I did, I finished and I would have like, it was the first year they did the teen division and I was technically like, in that age range, but I was going to, I was going to be out of it by the time the games rolled around. So I wasn't able to qualify for it, but I, I remember looking at like my scores relative to the teens at the time and just doing the math and being like, Oh, well, I would have finished well enough to go to the games as a teenager. Um, which I'm glad that I didn't have that opportunity. I think it would have derailed me. Uh, but that was, that was when I was like, well, now I want to make regionals. Like that's the whole goal. Uh, and so the goal was always to make regionals. And I, in the back of my mind was like, yeah, I want to make the games eventually. And I, but I never really thought that I would make a career out of it from being a games athlete. Like that was not really ever my intention. My intention was to make regionals and I did that. And then my intention became to make the games. So now we're going to jump around a lot because there's questions now from what you just said that I've got to jump ahead and we're going to jump back and forth. Yes, yeah, let's do it. So, so you're a teenager, you're 18, you do the open and, and you see where you stand. Yep. Now you're coaching a 17, 18 year old. Yeah. What is the difference today with the 17, 18 year old and in 2015? Ooh, so or 17 uh, or whatever yeah a couple things there one i'm actually matt is coaching her completely uh i'm her training partner and so i i do okay, provide but even little... from that perspective from from seeing her all the time yeah i mean we do every single session together um it's just totally different like she is on another level athletically she's on another level athletically than i was at 18 completely she's on another level athletically than i am currently she's just like an absolute stud of an athlete um but there was no opportunity for that level of commitment in 2015 for a couple of reasons one the the teen side of the games was brand new but it also was, there wasn't as much um, media period around the whole sport that would like lend itself to somebody being just a teen games athlete. There are a couple of people who did it, like Nick Palladino, Angelo DeChico uh, on the men's side. They, they did like kind of put school to the side and become teen athletes at that time. But also... I was looking at the teens when I was in 15, when I was 18 and going, Oh, like I could compete with them. She is competing with the top of the top of the sport. So I don't even think it's a difference of what was different in 2015 versus now it's that she is just an exceptional athlete. If you look at the whole like spectrum of CrossFit though, the women's division has her and Emma Carey and Monica Greer and Olivia Sulik and Olivia Kirkster. Like there are these young athletes that are attempting to compete in the open division on yeah. the men's side. You don't see that. Uh, I've actually had this conversation a bunch. My theory on it is that if you walk down the street with a 150 pound sandbag or a hundred pound sandbag and dropped it in front of every person you saw, 
you would get more men that would be able to pick that up just in general, right? Um, and, and that's not a knock against women being weaker than men. It's just that the culture is often that guys train to be strong more frequently and younger, right? So in high school, like all of my guy friends trained at some capacity. Okay. Um, and so you just have way more dudes out there that are like closer their, to their genetic potential of strength. And then you have on the, the women's side, like the select group of women who are young and are pushing the limits. And I'm not taking away from the fact that they're gifted, like, and they work incredibly hard, but I think that there is fewer women doing that than there are men. So on the men's side, it takes longer to crack into maybe, and there's less dudes that are 18, 17, 18, just because there's a, there's more of them doing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. There, there are more gaps on the female side because they're not taking advantage of their potential. Culturally, it's not, it's not as accepted as on the men's side. So they're less. Yeah. I I wouldn't even say accepted. I would just say it's less, it's often less of an interest. Okay. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, just... I went to school in the, in, in the eighties and one of my best friends was a female powerlifter, and she was so rare in the 1980s. Right. So rare. Yeah. It's just rare. It's, I think that's, that's the big thing is that, the spread of age is, I mean, look at the women's range. Like the spread of age is huge. You have 17 all the way to, I don't know how old Sam Briggs is exactly, but however old Sam Briggs is, all competing in the same division. The men's field is way smaller. Yeah, way smaller. And it, it, yeah. as far as like the age gap goes. And, and, and it probably makes sense on the opposite side of the spectrum too. You have more women in the master's age group making it in the open division, especially that 35 to 39, than you do on the men's side as well. Yeah, for sure. So I guess, yeah, that theory holds true on both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, and so back to you. So then you want to make regionals. Did Were you ever able to make a regional before they went away? Yeah, I made the last one. Nice. Yeah. So 2018, you made regionals. And what was that experience like for you? Uh, I'm I'm not taking away from anybody that makes regionals. It was underwhelming for sure. I think because I had built it up for so long. And then I made it, which was a phenomenon that I knew about. I mean, I was like, it wasn't lost on me that we often build things up a ton and then they're disappointing. Um, but I made it and I made it in like a much bigger way than I had ever thought that I would or intended to. Um, I like did well in the open and to me, I was like, well, I'm just going to squeak in. Like I'm just going to get 18th in the open and make it. I'm going to get 20th, right? Cause it was top 20 in the region. Um, and then I, I, did way better than that. And so I put this pressure on myself while I was like, well, well, I just did so well compared to what I thought I was going to do in the open to just make regionals. That's the only goal. Like I, I have no intention of going there and trying to make the games. Like I know that's not in the cards physically this year, but it became this weird pressure that I put on myself and that there was like a little bit of talk around, but where I did so well in the open that, I was like, well, can I make the games? And I knew I couldn't. Uh, And so I went and instead of just enjoying regionals, I was putting the pressure on myself of like, well, now you have to go there and do as well as you can beyond just the pressure of like, I want to go execute on everything as well as I can. I was like, no, you need to show people that you can do well. And then I didn't do poorly. And had I not had that inner dialogue, I would have been like super happy with my finish. Uh, but I left there just kind of not quite hungry for more, but not quite satisfied with what I got. 
And so that took a little bit of time to, to work back through. Yeah. And so you also, um, then move into the sanctional seasons, right? So after 2018, do you look at that as more opportunity for you or, or, or how does that go? So that is one of the few things that regret is too strong a word, but that I look back and I go, Oh, I missed an opportunity because I didn't see it. Um, and I wasn't in a place to take it. I finished 18 regionals and was burnt out. And so I took a little time off. Um, but I was in the best shape of my life. So I took a little time off <clears throat> best shape of my life. I was like, I don't know, 20 back then. So it was always up, right? Like I was getting better every year. Um, I should have pushed and just done sanctional after sanctional after sanctional. But I, one, my philosophy around training was like, well, I don't want to compete that frequently because it's really stressful. But he, at the time, it, it wasn't really that stressful physically um, or mentally. And so I was a little burnt out and I didn't push as hard as I should have on the sanctional season and just went around and like did as many as I could have. I, In hindsight, I would have done that because yes, it was more opportunity. And like the odds that I finished, I don't know, sixth or seventh at a couple of competitions, pretty high. And the odds that all the people in front of me qualified to the games and I got pushed down, also relatively high. Um, so I do wish that I went back and, and did that, but I didn't, so. Well, you said earlier that you actually enjoyed the training for football more than playing. Yes. Or the training for lacrosse more than playing. Is that the same with CrossFit or do you enjoy the competition? No, I enjoy the training more. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've just, you are basically a gym rat. You will always yeah. be a gym rat. That's what you love. Yep. Well, it makes sense that you've moved into coaching, um, but you're still competing. Yeah. So, so how is, how do you balance that? Uh, it's tough. I mean, that's not quite true. It's not that tough because I enjoy both. Um, but it's just a very conscious balancing of both of them. Like I have to prioritize my time when I'm doing one thing, I've got to only be doing that thing. And then when I'm training, I've got to only be training. Um, and I'd be lying if I say they don't bleed into one another often, but for the most part, I try to keep them separately. So when I finish my morning session, I, sh I leave the gym and I go and I work and get as much as I can done in the two or three hours we have between sessions. And then in the afternoon, I don't work at all during the second session, like sometimes in the morning, because everybody is starting to wake up that's on the team, the HWPO team, I'll have to field a couple of like questions or texts or just check in with some folks that are doing different tasks. Um, in the afternoon, I do no work during the session. And then when I get home, I eat dinner and then I work pretty much until I go to bed. So from a competitor standpoint, and, and we kind of left Mal's name out earlier, we said that there was this phenom that you, you train with every day and it's, it's Mal yep. O'Brien and you train with her every day. How much has that made you better working out beside her every day? Well, we'll find out at the Mac. I'm not quite sure <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, it has made me tougher without question. Um, cause she wins a lot of the stuff that we do, but which is, which is fine. We are competing every Metcon that we do. Uh, and so honestly, I've learned a ton from just, just watching her train too. And like, I have been doing the sport for a long time. And so there are things that I'm like, Oh, cool. I'm watching. I'll like see her do something that I'm like, all right, cool. I could, I know what I'm about to do next that I'm going to, I'm going to be able to get this like interval on her or whatever frustrating thing is though, is she watches me do that and she's like, Oh, cool. I got it. I got your number. Uh, and so she'll, she'll immediately make the adjustment, but it's really impressive to watch her train and be alongside of it. And just the intensity that she brings to every single piece that we do. And she's just got this like stoic 
I'm going to do it or I'm not going to do it attitude. And so when we're like, Hey, we got to stretch. She's like, yeah, of course. Why would I not? Um, <laughs> so it has definitely made me more disciplined. Okay. So let me ask you this. You said we'll find out at the Mac when you do events like Wadapalooza, do you view those as like a test of where you're at going into the season or is that a competition you're going in to do well? So that the when I did Wadapalooza this year, that was a test to see where I was at and not even where I was at against the field to just go in and see where I'm at for myself as a competitor. Cause I I've like done enough competitions that I'm and training that I'm able to, to look at workouts and be like, Oh, I should have done better on this or, Oh, cool. I've gotten better on that. And so that, that was entirely what Wadapalooza was for. And it was a tune up to just get another bigger competition under my belt before going to another bigger competition, purely from like the stress that comes with having to warm up and compete and be around your competitors, the stress that comes from having to like line up your food and figure out where you're going to get your food from and travel. Uh, so it was really just practice and to get back out onto the competition floor. And what to do during a weather delay. And I love that. <laughs> I love, I love it. Even when I was playing football, the more chaotic the situation is, the less stressed I am about competing. Yeah, that was, this year was my first year at Wadapalooza ever. I will never miss another one. You loved it? So much fun. Yeah, it is. From a fan a perspective. It's a great time. Yeah, especially the elite team of three. Because like everybody's just there to have a good time yep. on that one. Right? I think they're so I've so I've done elite team of three. Uh we took third actually in 2019. Uh that was the most fun I've ever had competing. Like ever. No exaggeration. That was the hands down best competition I've ever done. Yeah, that's what needs to be televised because of it's so entertaining to watch because everybody's having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you grow the sport. Just take note, CrossFit. Uh, no, I totally agree with you. Uh, so with with that, so you you tested at Wadapalooza. So it wasn't where you finished. You just wanted to see where you were in certain situations, how to, how to kind of plan out the weekend and be ready when, when it meant something come May. Yes. Yeah, completely. So you're going into the Mac. Uh, so that is week two of the semifinal season. Yep. And, um, how do you feel about it being in Knoxville? Like, are you glad that that's the one you got? Um, you were at Granite last year. Mm -hmm. I, so when we learned this year that we weren't, weren't going to have like a vote as to where we go, I pretty much detached from caring about where I went. Because uh, last year I wanted Granite Games strategically. I was like, well, I've done well at Granite Games before. Familiar with the area, familiar with the venue. Uh, I, I knew they were moving it, but I was familiar with like the type of programming that ha they had. And I knew that it was a competition that I thought that a lot of folks wouldn't want. So I was like, cool, that's where I want to go. And I finished well enough in quarterfinals to have a say as to where I went. So last year I cared for sure. And then this year when we found out that we weren't going to have a say, I looked at them and I was like, well, it doesn't really matter because I think that I'm better one and two. Um, I just, it's going to waste energy to be upset about where I get. How much different is it to, to compete outdoor to indoor? Uh, outdoor is a little less comfortable because sometimes it's hot or sometimes it's cold or sometimes like the rings are swinging. Uh, but it's not something I think about when I compete personally. Does that add, add any of the chaos that you, you enjoy? Yes. Actually, um, last year it was really hot at Granite Games. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. And when I got there, Matt had given me a couple of good tips about managing the heat. And so I just did them all throughout the weekend. And I genuinely didn't, never felt like it was too hot to compete. But you should have seen the locker room after events. It was chaos. Like 
lying on the floor in the showers, stuffing our compression shorts with ice. Like it was, it was getting crazy. Yeah. I, I love that. You love that moment when it, when everything's chaotic, everything calms <laughs> down for you. That's, that's so cool. So what are, what are your realistic goals at the Mac? Are, are you looking to make the games? Yeah. I mean, that's a hundred percent the goal always is to try to make the games. Um, but really, and I'm, I'm not just like reciting my mindset book to you. I genuinely want to go there and execute on each of the workouts and, and it's not going to be perfect, but in a way that reflects my fitness. Like, I don't want to leave the weekend and go, I didn't try hard enough on that. Or I didn't hurt enough right there where it would have made up five points. Yeah. Well, I, I'll be there. I'll, I'll be rooting you on. I hope you do well. I but I want to I want to talk about some other things um, too, and one of them is uh, a guy named Cooper Marsh. Yeah, uh, we had him on the show. He said you were his best friend. Yep. Um, and he he was an action sports guy too. So when did you meet Cooper? So, our we've crossed paths. We crossed paths a, a bunch before we actually met. He lived in this uh, little rural town outside of a ski mountain that I skied every Sunday. And he worked at a coffee shop that we stopped at every Sunday. And his shift was on Sundays. <laughs> and it was between whatever, noon and six o'clock. Like it was in the time that we would stop at this coffee shop. And we stopped every Sunday for years. And Coop's older than me. Um, so we went for sure cross paths there. And then when I was working out at that original CrossFit gym that I had started working out at, Coop was selling X endurance. And so I, I remember him coming and doing the tasting, setting up his table. And we had a really brief conversation and I don't know, did he tell you this story? Not that story. No. So I had this huge mop top of hair, like an Afro. And I was wearing a dirty white t-shirt and like dirty red shorts. And it was during a running workout. And I remember Coop just telling the story later and being like, yeah, he, you came up to me. And I was like, this kid has no money to buy anything. So I had like a quick conversation with you and then you scooted off. Uh, and then it, that was in the summer. So it must've been like maybe three or four months later. I was working out at full range, which is the gym that I joined in Providence and have, was at for seven years that I was working out in the back and I saw this kid walk in and I was like, I know that person from somewhere. And he walked up and he was like, do I know you? And I was like, I think we've met. And then we pieced it together that we had met at, uh, at the other gym two hours away from, from full range. And so that was the first time that I really actually met Coop and we had, we had like a quick conversation. I think we trained together that day. And then there was this competition that happened every year in Boston called Southie. And it was a big, big local competition where some heavy hitters would go. And he convinced me to sign up for it. And I, I drove myself up. My girlfriend at the time was in Boston. So I went up, visited, she was going to Northeastern. Then I competed. Uh, and then I drove home to Providence with Coop. And we had never spent more than 10 minutes like chatting with each other. We'd trained together a little bit. And so we had this 90 minute ride in the car uh, and we just became buddies. And from there just continued to become closer and closer friends. Then we moved in together and lived together for three years. And you, you also became partners in a business. Yes. Yeah. The dough cart. I was wearing the shirt the yesterday, cart. actually. Yeah, so we had a donut truck. There's this really good donut shop in Providence called PB Donuts. Uh, and we're good friends with the owners. And Coop and I both like wanted to do something cool. We wanted to like have a business, uh, go through the process of branding everything. And we just didn't really know what we did or what we wanted to do. And it, we independently were having these thoughts. And so we we didn't necessarily think we were going to do it together. And then... Coop had the idea one day of doing a donut truck 
And so we brought it to Paul and Lori, who are the owners of PV Donuts, and they agreed to make it a sister company. And so Paul, myself, and Cooper all went in on this project, got a, a fully decked out uh, cart. I say cart, it's like a six by 10 trailer covered complete food truck uh, that you just attach to your truck. And we we did weddings and events. So Cooper tells the story of your first wedding that you did and was actually a friend of the group. Yes. And that you didn't have the adapter for the machine that made the donuts. That's true. Did he tell that on air? He did. All right. Well, then we're in it. I guess I could say it. Yeah. So we. He said we it was the first up. time it's ever been said publicly. And even the person's wedding you did it for didn't know the, the true story. Does not know to this day. Right. Uh, yeah. That's it. It's a funny story. So we are we're setting up for this wedding. It's just myself and Coop. Paul's not coming. We needed a, a 240 volt plug. So a washer and dryer plug installed in inside of the the cart and there wasn't a 240 volt on the generator either and so our donut machines like it's maybe four and a half feet long it's the one that you've seen at the fair like making cider donuts we just had a different recipe that we used and so our original idea was all right we're going to make all the batter at pv donuts we're going to bring it with us and then we're going to make donuts on the truck that will be the draw is that people can see the donuts being made well, we knew we needed this plug. It didn't get put in. So we got this adapter that we thought was going to work. And then we made all the batter at PV Donuts. We rented a truck. We're all, we're all set up. And Coop is like freaking out a little bit. We haven't left. It's a four and a half hour drive to where we're going. We haven't left. And Coop is like, something's going to go wrong, man. Something's going to go wrong. Something's going to go wrong. And I'm like, yeah, something is going to go wrong for sure but we'll figure it out. So we get up there. It's the hottest day of the year. The dough is proofing in the back of the truck. Full AC is blasting, but the dough is coming out. We've got like five gallon white containers. It's coming out of the containers and I'm driving and Coop's not looking at it. And I'm looking back being like, well, that's, that's the first thing that's going wrong. So we get up there. There's this salt of the earth older woman that's running the lodge that we're doing this event at and she's like all right boys here's the deal we're gonna need donuts for one o'clock so it's whatever 11 maybe we go and we set up and we start to like get everything set up literally a cartoon where we go to plug it in and i went to plug it in and i was just, i put them together and i was like yeah that's not gonna work <laughs> And knew it. I didn't like try seven different ways. I just touched them and was like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't going to work. And Coop was in the cart and I was like, Hey man, come here. Will you just plug that in for me? I just, I couldn't figure it out. And so I let him come to the realization on his own and we, and he panics. And so we have like five minutes of panic and then we go, all right, there's definitely got to be one of these plugs in the kitchen that they've got. So we went and asked, there were no plugs. Um, I'm outside calling every single Home Depot, Lowe's, mom and pop hardware store. That's within a, a 35 mile radius. And they're like, yeah, I know exactly what you need. We don't have it. And then we had this moment of like, this is kind of it. And then Coop goes, wait, are there any local donut shops? And so we look it up. And there's this local donut shop. So we call them and we go, hey, how many donuts do you have left? They're closing in like 30 minutes. We go, how many donuts do you have left? And they go, oh, well, what kind do you want? And we were like, no, no, no. How many donuts do you have left? She goes, oh, we have like 180. And we go, cool, we'll take them, all of them. She goes, yeah, but what kind do you want? We go, sorry, I don't think you understand. We're going to take all of them. Please, we'll be there in 28 minutes. And so we fly down this mountain, get to the donut shop. And we, we kind of told them that it was for our wedding. So we roll into the donut shop, the two of us. They, they must have called every family member that is a shareholder in this shop because there is 
12 people just lined up at the counter being like, who's buying all of the donuts? So we walk in, there's a little, like they wrote congratulations on your love, like to us on the top of these donuts. So we buy the donuts, we go to Dunkin' Donuts, buy all of the old fashioned donuts they have. We rip back up to the mountain. We decorate the donuts with our stuff. And so we're like, all right, this donut will work. This donut won't. This donut will work. This donut won't. Decorate them with all of our toppings. And they look pretty similar. Um, and then we serve them for dessert. And we told the woman, we were like, hey, put these out last. Like, put these out when people have had their drinks. <laughs> so they don't know. <laughs> and so we we made it happen. We served these donuts. And we had a, and a lot of the folks at this wedding, like, know us know this is our new venture it was a friend who was within our circle like you said so there's a lot of folks in our circle there and they're coming up they're like guys the donuts are so good like yada yada and coop and i are just like yeah thank you you're either lying to us <laughs> being really nice or you genuinely don't know but whatever it is we're just happy that that you uh you told us that they were good yeah, the two highlights from Cooper's version are that you make cake donuts. So all the like the yeast donuts, you guys are either eating or chucking out the window. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then that uh, a couple months later, you did a thing where you actually made the donuts. And yep. people said, you've gotten so much better at this. <laughs> I forgot that part of the story. Yeah. So a couple of people that were at that event were like, wow, you guys, you're improving quickly. <laughs> we're like, yep. Well, they were always this way. Yeah. I love that story. But it, so, it, yeah, go ahead. It, we, fin we finished, and I was just like, we literally can only get better from here. <laughs> like, nothing worse is ever going to happen. Yeah, it's one of those it's one of those stories you tell in a business class. Like yeah. the best laid plans are are gonna go awry. You just gotta make you gotta make it work somehow. Oh man. Every time I retell that story, it was after we finished, it was such a joy. Like it was one of the most fun experiences I've ever had. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about some other experiences, and that is your girlfriend. Yep. And uh, Victoria. And so she is a photographer. Yes. And you, one of your favorite hobbies is photography. Yep. So is that the connection or did you meet another way? So we met another way. Uh, and she's, man, she is great. And she's a great photographer. But uh, we met at the gym that I was working at. She just joined. Uh, and if you know her, she's like, this is a little bit out of character for her. So she just looked up CrossFit gym and sent an email and came in and just signed up. Uh, and I remember when she came in, I like, this is not uh, exaggerating at all. I saw her and I was like, Oh, I'm going to date that girl. And I remember the day that she like, we had this little office in the front of the room in the front of the gym. And she, she walked out of the office and just out the door. And I just kind of caught a glimpse of her and was like, who is that? And I walked up to Adam who owns the gym, him and his wife own it. And I go, Hey, who was that? And he goes, she's a new client. Hands off. Don't, don't pursue her. And I was like, all right, all right, whatever. And so she, she came in the next day to start her fundamentals. And I was, I remember I was doing rowing and I was doing rowing and handstand walks. And I saw that she had a, a Rick gymnastics shirt on. So I finished my rowing interval. I did a hundred foot handstand walk unbroken and I kicked down in front of her and I was like, Hey, I'm Jake. <laughs> uh, and she's like, Oh, you're practicing your handstands, huh? And so we had a really brief interaction. I remember she was doing strict chest to bar pull-ups too. And I was like, who is this? And still. Adam wouldn't tell me like her name or anything. And she just introduced herself as Vic. So I was like, I don't, I don't know anything about her. And I went into the office and I saw that her waiver 
was on the desk. And so I like, I filed it, but before I filed it, I was like, all right, Victoria Costello, cool. And then I went and found her and on Instagram and just knew her name. And so every time she'd come to the gym, we would just chat. And then after a couple of months, we went on a date and we pretty much have been inseparable since then. That's awesome. So yeah. why, what attracted you to photography? So I've always been really into like really visual stuff. Uh, like in action sports, I've always loved watching the movies. I've always loved like looking at the ads and the magazines and the, the photos. Right. And when Vic and I started dating, she was starting to get into photography. She always, um, has done like some form of photography, but only because she was part of the yearbook club. So she'd take the photos for that. She took the photos for Rick gymnastics, but wasn't editing, wasn't like thinking of it as a career, it was just something that she knew how to do. So she did. And she had graduated college and was kind of, she was starting teaching, but knew that that wasn't going to be her forever job. And so was just starting in photography. And so I started to pick it up a little bit as well. And then as she grew professionally, I just, I got access to nicer and nicer equipment because she was buying stuff. Um, and I grew to, to really enjoy it myself. And then in 2020, when COVID hit, we, and we were forced home for a while. And I was like, I took a bunch of time off training and I wasn't really doing anything else. I started doing a ton of photography just as a hobby to keep busy. Uh, and then I second shot a bunch of weddings with her in 2020 and I just really enjoy it. It's not something I do very frequently at all at the moment, but when I get the chance to take photos, I really like it. And the draw was always, uh, creating like the version of reality that I wanted to see that was in my head. Um, so like yeah, for me, go ahead. No, no, you, you, for me, my photography and I wouldn't call myself a photographer. I just like, I really enjoy taking photos, but always skews nostalgic. Like if I can make my photo look nostalgic, that's what I want. Like I want to look out outside or like look at my room and see it in like the colors and the tone that I look at my mom and dad's like old photographs of when they were my age. And so any picture I take, like that is what I want to, I want it to look like. That's so cool. I have a, I have a similar experience only because my daughter is in college to be a photographer. Oh, sweet. and so, um, now that I've become media with CrossFit or, you know, around the space, I take pictures at all the events. And every time I come home, she's like, well, you know, if you change this setting to that and the aperture to this and like all this stuff, and she's made me such a better photographer. It actually is so much fun that's really um, cool now she doesn't like doing action photography she's like a fashion um model type photographer okay um where i'm more into the sports uh action shot type thing um but but it's it's cool that we have something too to talk about right like as a father and daughter it's we can like geek out together over different things and it's it's been really cool that is really cool. Does she does she enjoy like helping you out with your photos? Oh yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, she'll even edit some of them to make them look better, um, for me because she's really good at that too. Do you do a lot of your? Do you do all your own editing? Uh pretty much. Yeah, my media company is a one man show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I, I, we're not to the point where we can afford to pay somebody to come in and do all that for us. So. Yeah, I, I more didn't know if she myself. did it. If if you were like, "Hey," I try not to bug her because she's in college. She actually has a job already with a fa with a a fashion company, um, oh, and so great. I don't want to take away from that time to her finishing her degree and her real job. Yeah, I mean that's awesome. It's cool that you have something to connect over, and very similarly with Vic and I, like we we can connect over photography, and it's cool because we go on trips, and she won't really shoot a ton because she doesn't like sh not shooting people and i do i love shooting inanimate stuff uh i'll shoot people that are like my close friends but i really like shooting stuff so when we travel 
I'll take a ton of photos and she'll be like, oh, that's actually really cool. And then when she's doing couple shoots or whatever shoot she's doing and I tag along, like I help her out on that stuff. Yeah. I, we're already up at the hour, Jake. I, I can't believe I haven't even mentioned hard work pays off. Uh, coaching. I haven't mentioned Matt Frazier. I haven't mentioned any of that stuff. Uh, maybe I just have to have you back for a second episode. Yeah, I'm down. I don't have to run unless you do. Well, let's just briefly touch on that and then I'll have you back and we'll go in more detail, but cool. So you, you are coaching for hard work pays off. Yep. And is your primary job those like everyday athletes that sign up for the app and the programming through HWPO? Yeah. So my primary job with HWPO is actually to program. So Matt and I write all the programming. Um, so I'm proud. I'm most hands-on with, with the actual product that we're writing. And then we have an online platform called circle that if you're a member and you subscribe to the program, you, you can be in circle. And essentially what it is, is like an online forum with all the different spaces for, if you follow the flagship program or the 60 program or pro or sweat, whatever that is. And then in there, Matt, myself, Sammy O'Keefe and Sam, one of our coaches are actually in their live interacting with people. And so that's a piece of my job to interact with people. Uh, but as far as like my primary function is to write programming. And how, how did the connection come between you and Matt? So Sammy went to and coached at full range before I even got there. And then I had got there kind of towards the tail end of her being there and we just kind of became friends and she had started dating Matt. And so she started bringing Matt around. And when Matt got to the gym, uh, he would always have to train and I would always put my hand up to do whatever he was doing. And I'd be like, yeah, I'll do whatever you got. Um, and so we would train together and just through that have become friends. Yeah, I'd heard that you guys were training partners, uh, but I didn't know how it came to be. I didn't know the Sammy component, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, so we met through Sammy. And then every time he was in town, we would just get a session together. So I know like like both mats are very big on like that circle of trust, right? That Yeah. That, that but once you're in there, like you're in there. So what's it like to be a member of that circle? Man, I, honestly, I don't think about it too, too much because we we were friends and we grew into this relationship pretty organically. And like when he stopped competing and announced that he was going to write a program, I had reached out and said, hey, I'm going to follow your program. And he was like, no, test it for me. Like, I'll give it to you now. Test it. Let me know your feedback. Like, let me know things that you might you think might need switching, whatever. And so I tested it and then we just organically grew into working together. And so moving from being just friends to working together and me working for him was a pretty natural progression. Uh, and, and I'm a similar way. Like I have a lot of folks that are in my life, but I keep a pretty tight knit group of people that I like to spend all my time around or that I would like do anything for. Um, so it was just, it felt pretty natural to move into that where we were working very closely together. So you weren't really working for him or with him just occasionally being a training partner before the HWPO. No. Yeah. So before okay. HWPO, we had, we would just train together whenever we were in the same space and we were buddies. And so we would talk about like motorcycles and coffee and guns and, and whatever. I'm not a huge gun guy just cause I like, never really had access to them. So he always makes fun of me. I'm like, Hey, he's like, when are you going to buy a gun? And I'm like, ah, I'd rather spend my money on food, like going out to eat. <laughs> he's like, Oh, I like experiences. Um, but motorcycles, coffee, we would just talk about that stuff and just became buddies. And then, yeah, when he retired, we, we grew a bit more close. So the, the little mo motorcycle track he has in the, at the farm, yeah, we have were riding you it to, the other Have night. you got to experience it? Oh, yeah. Last summer, we rode it a ton. And then uh, his neighbor, 
the his buddy who lives on the property uh, just freshened it up. So we wrote it last Sunday night. Nice. Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's what all the kids did when I grew up. We had mini bikes and motorcycles and, and just went trail riding all the time. Yeah, I grew up riding dirt bikes. So it is, it does feel like I'm back in high school with my buddies riding, riding dirt bikes. So is that what, what the farm is becoming is just like a training facility and a playground? Yeah. And that's exactly <laughs> what Matt wants. Yeah. I mean, he's earned it. You, you put in the work and now, now you get to play. Oh, a hundred percent. He's earned it. So wh- where do you see your future? Are you coaching any of the athletes at HWPO? Yeah. So Jason Hopper, um, Matt and myself coach him. I talk to him like day to day on just smaller things. And then Matt oversees and guides all of his programming and training and like helps him with his mindset. Do you see yourself training more athletes in the future or just sticking with the, the HWPO app and the programming? Truthfully, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how this season goes. I really enjoy coaching. Like it fires me up. Um, but we'll see what it turns into. I'm just kind of pulling at the rope and seeing where it leads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and sometimes it's better just to live in the moment, right? Yeah. And that's very much what I'm doing. Yeah. Like you met, like you asked before about balancing work and training. Um, the only thing I can do really is to live in the moment with that. And I mean that in the least like live, laugh, love way of living in the moment, just to be present anywhere else other than exactly what I'm doing. There's no space for it. So, yeah, and it's a good way to live. You know, too much of us worry about the future and and miss what we're experiencing in the moment. Yeah. And that's in everything, not just CrossFit or training or anything, just anything in life. But yeah. I wanna I wanna just thank you so much, Jake, for for joining us. Um, this has been awesome. We'd love to have you back um after semis, maybe even after the games if you make it there. Um, yeah, that's the goal. And see how things have gone and uh check back in with you. It was it was great to be on. This is a fun conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll be in touch. All right, thanks, Scott. You do your research really well too, by the way. <laughs> well, thank you. I, that's that's my that's my pride. Is I, I like to do as much research as possible. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. I haven't been in the space forever, so I've got to be the best at something. Well, you do a good job. Thanks for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember. You can find us now on YouTube, as well as all major podcast platforms. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use, and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.